Welcome back to Mark's Madness Chunkaluta collaboration. Woo! Yay! We read books. We read books. Uh, Nathan's not here today. Yes. So, so we're all thrown off. So if we seem quiet, it's because we're down our shouty guy. Well, to be fair, he was here today. Yes. He is no longer. We chased him off. So we, we were like, yeah. enough of that bullshit. Go away. We hit him repeatedly till he left. <laughs> so uh, we left off. <clears throat> so let me clear my throat and ruin everybody's day. Um, we left off in Area Five, abolish Imperial borders, and we're gonna we're gonna jump in right there. And uh, if you don't remember, I brought up uh, you know like how, people are like, if you didn't have borders, how did you know? Where one nation began and one nation ended. I was like, well, that, you know, where they are, for one. <laughs> Two, you could usually tell by just the way, like, the forest and the plains transition. Mm-hmm. Like, the people over there, their name is probably lives in the forest. The people over there, their name is probably lives on the plains. So... Yeah, I mean, that's how we did it. A lot of the structure of borders comes from the the European <laughs> idea from feudalism, right? The end of your kingdom, the end of your lordship, and right. And, and it was based about on that. like what treaties you yeah won and signed, blah 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 blah. Yeah, and then that we was didn't... abused for colonialism and imperialism. It's not something inherent or natural or something most of the world did, you know, for centuries necessarily. Like we had territory, but we didn't fucking. Mm-hmm draw a line on a map and go mine if you cross that i can shoot you and imprison you and steal your children yeah oh okay yeah that's that's reasonable that's that's a colonial. That's, reasonable. that's reasonable you know that's colonialism says it's reasonable right now god damn uh but no that that's uh, a colonial construct yeah right like i mean like you put it in like cold terms you're like what's the point of a border yeah oh oh that's really okay wow well. It's fucked up, but all right. I mean, I get it if there's terrorists. Oh, there's not a lot of terrorists with what we do in the South, but okay, well. <laughs> don't know what we're talking about now. <laughs> Any- <laughs> but uh, so we're going we're gonna to continue on and, uh, you know, hopefully we make it pretty far and confuse Nathan. Yeah. One. Yeah. I'd be like, where the hell did we get to? Holy Lord. <laughs> no, we're going to get like three pages. <laughs> <laughs> all right. European colonial powers brought notions of both private property as well as notion nation states from Europe to the Americas. One of the first things did was impose borders and national boundaries on the lands they occupied. The doctrine of discovery enshrined the Catholic church's papal bulls and still cited by the Supreme court stated that the European power that discovered quote unquote, a land that the sole right to purchase or steal land from indigenous people who lived on it. And I gave them that. I, I want to emphasize that too. So, a lot of the mythos of this country and the settler colony and its its shining beacon on the hill, beacon of freedom, bullshit is like religious. The city on the hill. It's city, shining city on the. They, uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, no, you're, you're so close. You're good. You're so close. To <laughs> I'm so close. <laughs> uh, but a lot of that bullshit, you know, comes from a, a lot of the the, the mythos. It, you know, gets get this like religious freedom and separation of church and state stuff. And not only was that mythos from the, the pilgrims that like Jay Sakai does a really good job of digging in on in settlers. 
Uh, but the separation of church and state. Oh, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Oh, don't no. Don't say it. You're a psychiatrist. You're a psychiatrist. <laughs> you read a book. Now you believe everything that man says. <laughs> but uh, but something else, you know, is the separation of church and state mythos. And yet it, it's right here. That it, it's very much true. The U.S. Supreme Court leans on the doctrine of discovery, which is Literally. a papal bull. It's the, set, from, it's the precedent set. Yeah, yeah. And we just moved forward. Yeah, and that's a papal bill from even the first settlement you know, on the settler colony at all from the Catholic church. Like there's no separation of church and state that's doing that mission. It's like a separation of like churches. They don't it's, want. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's the same kind of derived European revolution, right? You break away from the existing church and just form your own one, but it's the same damn thing. You know, that's you, you break away from the Catholic church and you get your, your Protestantism and then, and then you get wars to the death. You break away from England and you make your great settler colony, but the ideology stays the same throughout it all. You just brutally replace the, the class that was there before. And honestly, that class that was there before still has a shit ton of power. Go ahead. But no, like, uh, I think it, you know, you said it fairly well, um, for what I listened to. Uh, no, sorry, I tuned out halfway at the end. But uh, as long as the we'll listeners didn't, that's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> we'll we'll move out. We'll move on. But um, you know, like this kind of sounds a lot like the point I keep stressing of like you think you're far removed, you are not. Right? Like I I don't know how many times we've said that point. But that sounded like the David version of that point. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. I was like, nice, it's it's implanting. And I, <laughs> but um where were we? Uh you were you the ones reading? No, no, you were reading, and I, I cut in because of the doctrine discovery. We're on this exclusion based on colonial occupation. Okay, okay, that's where I thought. This exclusion based on colonial occupation and quote unquote discovery was the basis of European-style sovereignty that divided indigenous land around the world with borders. Since that time, borders have been used to control and restrict the movement of certain populations of people, but free up and allow the movement of capital. The United States recognizes no borders other than its own when it seizes land through violent military force or topples governments of other nations who refuse to bend to the will of its corporations. This is the definition of imperialism, and borders play a key role. In fact, the first act of U.S. imperialism was its westward expansion from the original boundaries of its 13 colonies into the territories held by indigenous people and supposedly protected by treaties. Manifest Destiny, which called for the U.S. to dominate, quote, from sea to shining sea, end quote, made indigenous people the first victims of a U.S. imperialism. In 1823, the Monroe Doctrine, a foreign policy tenant upheld by successive U.S. administrations that acts as if the entire Western Hemisphere is exclusively the domain of the United States, exerted its control over Latin America. The U.S. continues its imperial occupation, manipulation, and economic domination of Central and South America, and has spread its imperial reach even further around the world with its over 800 known military bases. The U.S. military and capital have no borders. Only people of limited means are bound by borders. This merging of borders with nationalism, capitalism, and imperialism requires us to develop a comprehensive analysis of how borders restrict, 
control, and govern the movement of indigenous and other racialized people. Yeah. Banger. Yeah, banger. Right there. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward, right? It's just like any other law. You know, they're in place only to hold down people that aren't in the ruling class. There's no border for the U.S. military. There's no border for, you know, uh, capitalists. There, there's none of that, right? All the border is is it's a function to keep people in line. And then when it doesn't serve its purpose, it gets in the way. It's combated by the capitalists and dissolves, you know. Um, right. I mean, they just build up their own systems and they're always expanding or toppling or doing whatever they can to, to have their power. Um, <clears throat> where were we? Uh, I, I can continue on here. Um, okay. The, the U.S. has restricted migration from its southern border with Mexico since it invaded and declared war during the Texas and California republics when Anglo settlers occupied the future states and requested U.S. military support. This started the U.S.-Mexico War following the Mexican Revolution and after Chinese people migrated through the through Mexico because of the Chinese Exclusion Act, the U.S. militarized its southern border and the first border patrol operations began. It wasn't until September 11, 2001, attacks that the U.S. had an opportunity to secure the nation by clamping down on the migration from its southern border with the creation of Department of Homeland Security. Um, now, I know, you know, Shigmani too is a little younger and some of the, the listeners of this podcast are a little younger. I am old enough where I, I grew up in the 90s, so I have some childhood memories of before 9-11. And, um, you know, CBP uh, wasn't there yet, but there was another border uh, control agency there. And then there was no ICE. Um, and there's the border was there, but there was always this like, oh, you know. Mexicans coming across the border and, and they need to be chased down by border security and at night in the cars. And, to, you know, there was always this feeling. It was always this like conservative xenophobic, like the immigrants are coming to replace us. That's, that's not new. What changed is they had an excuse to just beef the ever living shit out of it where the border patrol is essentially not just like a police force with a very xenophobic, um, focus, but a full on, you know, military force essentially to the point where it's been split into two branches. Uh, so rather than having like army and Navy and army and air force, it's custom border patrol and ice, you know? Um, but it was just, well, I don't think people realize how, like, I mean, there's like the Texas, um, state military that mm -hmm. works extensively with them mm -hmm. not to mention they have like an air force and shit like yeah and and you know arizona new mexico and them they, they've always had like the these these the the um john mccain types right they the, the basically what we think of as trump now has always been has always been there and you know the greg abbott types have always been there and they've always had the same ideology they've always been the 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 screaming, you know, closed border uh, Republicans down there, right? What changed was not the rhetoric or that sect of Republicans. It was that there was enough liberal buy-in and there was enough excuse uh, handed to the public through national security paranoia that they were able to flood it with all the money that they've always wanted to. And those, those types got their way far more than they used to. And it was a pretty radical change. Well, I don't think people realize how much, like, 
the Overton window got shifted during the Obama, mm-hmm. you know, terms. And then you have Trump, which is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good on us. That was <laughs> primo. Um, and, and now you have Biden. Yeah. That's, that's not helping. That's a choice. But even then, you know, I mean, I, I you know, this, this is where even I'm too young to, to have sen- seen, you know, before Clinton and stuff like that. But Clinton was already shifting the Overton window before Clinton. Democrats were they were never like this pro labor, super left party. But there wasn't the the, the third um, third way Democrats that, that there are now. Right. Well, that was just Reagan. I shit for democrats yeah it was just it was just reagan slap a d on it um it was it was try to outrace them to the southern strategy that blew up in the 90s so this stuff isn't that long ago um but it's made a massive difference and yet even before that there were always these sects with the same ideology you know in the government they just they used to be the, the kkk guys and then they were the 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 border cranks right and then once the border beefs up they're the tea party and then once the tea party goes out of style they're they're the trumpkins QAnoners. you know it's the same group of people it's it's the rush limbaugh's all the fucking way down man <laughs> <laughs> i miss rush uh, <laughs> It was a simpler time back then. <laughs> um, the border and its violence extend beyond even the physical boundaries of the nation. The U.S. military and police have established surveillance systems and military training programs in other countries in order to prevent migrants from reaching the U.S. This series of restrictive laws follows, following the September 11, 2001 attacks allowed border enforcement activities like checkpoints and racial profiling further inward from the militarized border zone within 100 miles of the actual national borders and coasts. Migrants within this internal boundary face widespread surveillance, profiling, exploitation, and the risk of deportation or incarceration every day. Remember those towers we always talk about? Mm Mm-hmm. That's part of it. Mm Mm-hmm. These forms of border imperialism demonstrate how important it is to recognize the regulatory control that borders represent. This control happens through the surveillance of bodies, management of exclusion, and administration of punishment. Borders function as structures of segregation and weapons of empire. Article 13 of the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights states that the right to freedom of movement is an intrinsic human right. Given the mass migration of humans and other than humans from the global south to the global north, which itself is caused by U.S. imperialist colonialist practices and capitalist driven climate change, we must open and abolish imperial borders to assist in the free movement of all life. I I think it's good too that that they're also including other than human migration because, like, obviously migration is something oh, that happens well, massively in nature, and climate change is going to drive that. and And these borders are just incredible drains on the environment. I guess to me, it's such a given. Yeah, but so, so this many is like where we're like far. from different world. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I mean, this is just yeah. But I was like, oh, you know, yeah, actually, yeah. great point. Like, there's <laughs> countless mm-hmm. species that have been affected. By these imperial borders, not in just the border itself, right, but in the economic conditions that they perpetuate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, if it wasn't for the massive pollution, the destruction of the environment, etc., the monarchs, which north to south, 
would not monarch butterflies that is you know would still be as plentiful as they once were there was clouds of these butterflies now there's nothing yeah you know like i mean we have them a lot in michigan still because we give tax breaks to people who plant milkweed and stuff which is their only natural incubator yeah um, but yeah, I mean, you'd see exactly something. You've also got the export of trash. You know, people always see these poor countries and people digging through the trash and they think, oh, the poverty, never like how we're responsible for poverty, but oh, the poverty. But they never think, oh, the trash, like that country didn't produce that giant pile of trash that person is digging through. We export that and just dump that on those populations. And that is harming the humans and the non-humans in those countries. And that gets to be segregated out because they're, they're across the border. There, there are other countries. It's not our problem. Oh, right. It's not affecting us. So it's out of sight, out of mind. The, the same attitude people try to take with homeless people, right? They, they don't exist unless you see them. And then for a lot of people, it's the seeing them that's the problem. And they would just as soon have them killed or thrown in a cage. Just get them out of here, right? It's out of sight, out of mind. And that's how we handle trash a lot. Right, 100%. Or uh, I mean, like, just uh... – these issues in general, like with reservations and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people go to the reservation and be like, it's just garbage, it's just a trash. These people aren't actually taking care of the reservation, but it's, there's dump trucks don't come. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have to make our own landfill to dump into. Or, and that's, if that's even legal, I guess I don't know what the actual legality is of that even are. And yet you still need some level of consumer products to survive because of the small area contained. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's very frustrating for me to like, like people don't realize some of the luxuries that they have. Like you have a garbage truck come to your house every day. That just happens. Okay. Some people don't have that. You know, like we're, we're, it's a, there's a lot going on to say the least, you know, and those problems aren't being addressed from a systemic base. They're being addressed on an individual based and from a consumer aspect where you're just expected to consume more and better. And it's how can you consume more and better when you still can't even consume the shit other people are consuming? Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know. It's one of those things. As the Arab Resource and Organizing Center, AROC, has spelled out, freedom of movement is a fundamental human right. It actually spells out AROC. Sorry, that was a stupid joke. (laughs) I was like, what? Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Sarcasm it was a phenomenal is. dad joke, and I just did not have my dad Thank joke you. goggles on. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the freedom to stay is the right to not be deported or restricted based on race, ethnicity, or religion. Indigenous people have the right to stay and live in their own homelands. The freedom to move is the right to migrate or move without restriction and threats of violence based on racist, xenophobic immigration policies. Refugees have the right to sanctuary. The freedom to return should be granted to refugees such as Palestinians to return to their homelands from which they have been expelled. Families and relatives separated by detention, migration, or relocation have the right to return and be reunited with their loved ones. The freedom to resist any impingement on these fundamental human rights to movement and return is also a fundamental human right. Let us not not forget 
no one is illegal on stolen land except those who have stolen it. That's underlined in my book. That's a good one. Um, not much to say there. <laughs> That's a very strong single sentence, but definitely, you know, one of those where, again, we, we take so many quotes and, and we have them ready and at our disposal. I think we talked about a couple of the last okay. episode. There's a this good- one is another good one. Yeah. Like this, like this is where we get into like the banger section. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So this is why our most potent challenge to border imperialism is indigenous sovereignty itself. Multiple indigenous nations have been bisected by the northern and southern borders and are facing destruction of their territories and ancestral burial sites by the construction of the border wall. In 2020, land defenders of the Kumiye and Tonotem nations have resisted construction of the border wall and have faced violent repression from the police, border patrol, national guard, and the national park service. We must support these nations in asserting and defining their sovereignty that exists beyond the boundaries of the United States settler state, United States settler state. That's they, the United settler states. Let's be clear. I think that's what they wanted us to read was U S settler state. Yeah. 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 There you go. U S settler state. Let's just we must also work to let's just go with the United Settler States. Let's let's make it more honest. Yeah, yeah. USSR, eh? Uh <laughs> anyway. USSA. That's, I yeah, say. I was gonna say. But um, especially the uh, oh, we must also work to build relations with indigenous people from global south from the global south, especially those whose people are migrating to the US due to American economic policy, military intervention, and support of right wing governments. We should build connections between these nations and indigenous movements in North America, Oceania, Asia, Africa, Asia, Africa, and the Middle East, so that indigenous peoples globally can express solidarity in the face of continued indigenous violence, continue anti-indigenous violence. Closer to home, we can begin to build upon the tribal sovereignty that our nations have fought for by pushing the sanctuary resolutions and tribal governments that offer migrants protection from deportation, detention, and harassment. This expression of solidarity to the distant kin is also an important assertion of nationhood and sovereignty. The settler state should not be able to dictate who can or cannot remain on land it stole. Indigenous nations must lead the challenge to the very notion of settler control of the land and non-Indigenous relatives and those displaced from their own homelands can can reciprocate by acknowledging Indigenous sovereignty. U.S.-dominated global capitalism has created conditions around the world that cause people to be displaced, to flee poverty or violence, and to seek other places to live. And so, my notes. Yeah. Settlers can advocate this platform, the Red Deal. And this important contradiction it addresses with concrete methods of action. Education on the colonial question and its recent reality is important, but organizing against ICE should be a question in every cadre's minds. It shouldn't be possible to it sh- should it be possible to stop any life from fulfilling its evolutionarily uh, dictated role, I, and like you know, like to live out till you die, right? Like of non-politically motivated death, yeah. Should be reasonable to ask. 
Anyway, um, the buffalo roamed, grazed, and fertilized the plains, whilst dung beetles collected and buried it, uh, which that went on to feed many people even to this day. You know, you you eat off the land that was cultivated by other than human relatives. And that's why they're acknowledging them as, you know, an important uh, actor in our daily lives is so, you know, uh, like fundamental to uh, environmental justice as well as just like survival and a proper way of being, if there is any proper way of being, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, what my Ohlone friend was mentioning, uh, somebody said to him that uh, supply chains are more important than your fishing rights. And my argument is that while our supply chain came to us, yeah, we didn't have to move. Yeah, the, this is artificial enforcement of what was already provided. You know, like you didn't have to do anything to get literally tons of fish, besides put out a net every year. How does that make any sense to you? like? That's a better supply chain than whatever the fuck Amazon got going on. <laughs> there's saying. there's one just free market. It's the free market of labor, and you crashed it with your free market of humans. <laughs> well, somebody once said that uh, uh, you know indigenous people basically had food automated. <laughs> I mean, uh, describing permaculture, and I was like, yeah, <laughs> accurate. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a system in place. Why did you fuck it up? <laughs> Yeah, it like it just was producing shit, mm-hmm. and you all went and cut it down. Yeah, meanwhile, I yeah, well, and cut it down for to farm. all kinds of reasons. Yeah, farming, to extraction farm. of natural resources, I explicit mean, genocide of of indigenous people, and also, uh, you know, border wall. I mean, we were just talking about the border walls, like the decades old cacti being, you know, annihilated. Oh my god, that shit fucks me up. Like, and also in Canada, you know, you have a lot of uh, cutting down of old growth forests mm-hmm. that, you know, were the last remaining ones. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't think people understand how dire the situation is because they are not as well as connected as they thought they were. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm friends with people who chain themselves to trees. You thought that was done? No, it's just not publicized anymore. Yeah. That's it. You know, like, that's still a thing that goes on, and people need to be more hardcore about that kind of stuff. Not that I'm encouraging it, but, like, I'm Anyway, um, <laughs> where were we? <laughs> uh, we were at, this has been particularly evident. Continue. Okay. This has been yeah, predict, this has been particularly evident with the migration of Africans from across the continent to Europe, which carved up Africa into colonial territories in the Berlin Conference of 1884 to 1885. By the early 20th century, Europe controlled the vast majority of Africa and continued until the decolonization struggles of the 1950s and 60s. Even now, Europe's economic policies and its forcing African nations into debt continues to dominate without being directly in control as it had in the past. And we've seen this, of course, with, you know, Libya and Burkina Faso and, and uh, oh, oh, uh, there's a current this event. This might be a case of uh, 
Shut up and let the book talk. Yeah, shut up and let the book. Oh God! Oh no! It might be. I'm just. Okay. I'm wondering what you're going to say. Okay. Next. Um, oh, I was about to to say that there was a current event, but I forgot what the African nation was resisting. Uh, another U.S. installed coup government with the last couple months. Um, I couldn't tell you. Oh my God! It fell out of my brain. I'll have to. I'll, I'll have to look it up so I can actually address it properly in the next current events. Um. So now I've forgotten what I was doing because I forgot the country. Okay, so we're just going to jump back into the reading. Talk about Africa. Oh, oh, yeah, European Europe's you know economic policies. Well, yeah, I mean, like you know, we we saw Libya, um, you know, collapse in 2011, and that had to do with both oil ties and owing you know money or, or being you know. Well, they were trying to establish a united African currency. Yeah, united African currency. It had to do with that, and also had to do with uh, some debts owed to a, to a former French president, and there were just a few factors but they're all colonial um um colonial economic well, that, factors and and don't so, get confused as like a pro libby like we're not pro gaddafi necessarily but we take the michael perrani stance of yeah gaddafi was a weird man <laughs> but gaddafi did you know i mean bring about libya had the highest standard of living um but got and gaddafi also evolved a lot politically too over the years um, but yeah, Gaddafi was, was interesting. There were, you know, ins and outs. It's, it, when you're a politician in the real world, there's going to be some contradictions and also, you know, people are going to be different. My big issue is his friendship with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, I get that. That's not a good thing. Um, let's see. Yet when African people flee the conditions created by European exploitation, they are met with a fortress of border enforcement walls and inhumane apathy towards migrants who have drowned crossing the Mediterranean sea. We urge everyone to turn their attention to the global nature of migration and particularly its roots in economic policy and military intervention with the growing threat of climate change, causing people to migrate. It is important to note how U S military apparatus is preparing to exclude and contain climate refugees and i mean uh, something that that we've been pushing for a long time is like, when they talk about and and it's really good they touched on this in citations needed too when when the biden administration talks about you know climate change is a national security threat and they have everything pointed out to 2050 what do you think that means that's not addressing climate change that's addressing the waves of migrants that will come with it with the same kind of you know border police state and and military that we've seen that's why it's a national security threat they're going to cage and kill people for fleeing the destruction we've caused I, it might have been that citations needed episode where they mention this article called fortress america mm-hmm. um where the idea is that we need to tighten our security. You know, we're not doing it on the northern border. <laughs> you know, we're doing it on the Mexican border. Yeah, and fucking uh, because you know, as as they criticize Trump for, unless you have boots and machine guns on that wall, it's not going to keep people out. Yeah. What do you think they're going to do? Yeah. They have the wall. Yeah. They're going to put boots and machine guns on mm-hmm. it, and it will work. Yep. I mean, that that's exactly, exactly what they mean by that. Um, let's see what I was going to say. Oh, I don't know. I guess I'll continue on to the book. I lost track of, of something I was going to say. Um, Colonial borders impose limits not only on humans, but on our other than human relatives as well. Many plants and animals inhabit 
Oh, it's inhabit one more. Inhabit the spaces bisected by the border and their migratory patterns are threatened by further militarization of the border with the construction of ever taller walls. In the past, the U.S. has destroyed our animal relatives in the name of imperialism, as when they forced Navajo Nation citizens to reduce the number of sheep grazing on the nation's land in order to fit within the reduced size of the reservation. Or when the U.S. military nearly eradicated the buffalo when they were trying to expand their territories westward and could not defeat the Osheti Shakoween militarily. Uh, the southern border now threatens our human and other than human relatives that have always migrated freely across the lands before colonization. Therefore, we call for the abolition of border imperialism in our broader movement the end, to end the occupation because no one is illegal on stolen land. And, uh, you know, the buffalo, the salmon, the sheep, caribou, uh, and so many more are only examples of of four-legged relatives being colonized. The freedom molecules mentioned earlier colonize the very air we breathe. PFAS, the rain. Microplastics, the water not frozen in ice caps. Um, you know, and there's more, of course. You know, fire rages across the planet. Mm -hmm. There's literally just explosions happening in some of the tundra as natural gas gets released. All of this des destruction is fundamentally come back to colonizing the land and preventing indigenous stewardship in favor of white private property. Yeah. Anywhere the settler order confronts the native order is an expression of that border and must be combated. That is a quote from Red Nation Rising that I've read earlier in our reading because that is also another banger and quotable passage. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and you know, God, I keep losing my train of thought today. Yeah, I know. I just had something else. Must be some really good weed. It was really good weed. Damn, God damn it. <laughs> damn. Like, you're like, yeah, this shit was purple. God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I gotta not do that. These episodes are too important, but I, I, it's also how I keep my sanity. Um, right. Yeah. Especially with a kid. Oh my god! If I didn't have weed, let me tell oh, you. Oh, I know, I know, and, and all the health problems I get in my thirties. Oh god. Oh, I couldn't imagine. I'm not a fan. <laughs> looking forward. It's not good. It's not good. Uh, it's downhill. <laughs> pretty radical. I'm only at 23, so I'm still on like my final. Yeah, yeah. You years. got you got a nice arch up you know. before the down, but the the down. I don't hard. have a nice arch up. I'm like you know, I, you know, as you're going up a roller coaster and it gets slower as you get to the top. The anticipation <laughs> That's pretty, builds. pretty close. Yeah, yeah. That's where we are, and we're about to just go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm at the part where you're going ah, stick your hands up, and it's it's fun. This is like where the picture comes up, and you're That's like, right. ah, I remember that one. <laughs> Four kids hating life. Splash Mountain that got you in 4K. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, but yeah, I I think we should probably. I know it's a little early. Um, we're only like 35 minutes in, and we usually go somewhere between 40 no, minutes and hour. One, we, we usually, yeah, we usually do it. No, no, when Nathan's not here, we do like an hour, 50, right? An hour and a half, right? Um, so this is going to be a surprise to Nathan, but we we finished. Yeah, we finished a section. I think that's that's a spot, spot to to stop and and you know heal our bodies is going to be very important. But I think we we want to start. Well, in we can kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, right? is that 
heal our bodies, you know, reinvest in our common humanity is more focused on uh, the effects capitalism has on the individual level, right? Like, um, well, a a collective individual level, Mm -hmm. mind you, there's collectively a growing health concern in all of our communities. Uh, In indigenous communities, you saw it firsthand uh, right away, what was going to happen. And now we're seeing it play out in you know, the community, like the white communities and stuff to a point that it's it's being cared about and that, you know, little Debbies are being taken off the shelf because they're no longer economically viable and stuff like that. You know, like uh, this is the results of the free market and uh, we are becoming more conscious of our health. The problem is, is that consciousness is based on the pocketbooks of capitalists. Right. So as communists, we need to ask ourselves, what is the role we can play? Do we back McDonald's? Because that's where the most workers are. (laughs) No. No, of course not. (laughs) No. That's a simple answer. That's a short one. Um, But uh, these are things that like a Pat Soch would probably tell you. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. With their barista discos, you never really know. Like one of them was trying to say, oh, you fast food workers don't add any value. And I was like, yeah, okay. You go pay $10 for that fucking frozen Big Mac then. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Go have fun with that one. Yeah. I, I know I'm not paying $10 for a frozen Big Mac. I let alone, I don't like buying frozen patties in general. I like to know where my meat came from. <laughs> As somebody who used to grind meat for a supermarket. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't buy the pre-ground stuff. <laughs> it's the worst parts of the cow that we cut off the steak. Yeah. Okay. Pro tip. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, maybe think about switching off of beef, going towards chicken, and then leaving the supermarket meat industry altogether if you're going to continue eating meat. <laughs> That's some things we should think about. You know, uh, yeah. it's like and I like. I come from just such a different way of life that it's really confusing for me because most people around here live after year, you know, like, you know, a guy who butchers his own deer. Yeah. So like I, I, the idea that you're disconnected from the animals and stuff like veganism doesn't really work up here because so many people are like, I don't think I'm part of the problem. (laughs) I'm hunting deer and fishing all summer long, like all summer and fall. So it's just like, I, I, you know, I don't think people are actually analyzing things as they exist. And that's our problem. We need to be analyzing things as they exist rather than how we want them to exist tomorrow or yesterday. You know, whether you, believe in the settler mythos of the country that we told children to make them comfortable about the genocides or, you know, it's something a lot simpler, like participating in the, um, grand Canyon rafting tours. Oh God. Whilst climate change decimates indigenous, uh, animal populations in the river. Mm -hmm. That's a really sad story I can tell. And I'll be as the Chunkaluta changes the directions of Banza Turtle Island, we'll be interviewing just proles in general Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, that um, I just have an interesting insight from them uh, on a specific issue. So they might say something problematic, who knows, but this is supposed to be um, 
So the Pat Soches will stop saying that leftists won't talk to other people. Yeah. Because it's like all of us do. I we sure. all do. No, there's no way to get through your life without talking. About Any people. normal fucking person talks to people who don't agree with their political opinions. Yeah, you have to. And has it, you? I I like. I'm not going to be like some kind of, of non-touching like, grass. Have, you know. Yeah, but anyone out there does. That's that's how people get get by with this. Like, let's leave politics out of it and all get along and all that centrist bullshit rhetorically works because everyone knows you. Every day of your life, you're talking to multiple people with dynamic political views. There's just no way to live otherwise. Right. Well, and that's like, I wouldn't call it liberal to necessarily say, hey, we need to talk to those people. Well, no, but, but I mean, the, the, yeah. the liberal is the, the reach across an island compromise, and it's always pulling people. Well, right I don't think and, we compromise. I don't believe in compromise. Yeah. I believe in reaching across the aisle and saying, I'm already meeting you halfway. Yeah. We are beyond the halfway point to me. Yeah. You have to meet me over here now. We've heard enough of your shit. It's time for you to listen to us. Yes. That is my position. Yes. But- and so this is like another case of totally different worldviews coming into play, right? Where it's, as an indigenous person, I see this as a fundamental error on the settler, mostly of not being willing to listen to people reaching across the aisle already. We've been reaching for hundreds of years. And that reaching was, please stop murdering us. Please meet us halfway. I think that's a very good starting point yeah. of compromise. Yeah. I think it's pretty Still simple. Still on the table. Pretty simple. Actually, it's not compromise anymore. We are going to stop it. Yeah. We are going to build the power to stop it. And you can be on the right side of history. or You can be on the wrong side of history. But this is happening. You cannot stop it. You will not stop it. So, figure it out. This is the trend of history. Anyway, uh, you know, I mean, as soon as Marxists start sounding like Fukuyama and saying history's over. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. I, I <laughs> Please stop talking. <laughs> For the love of God. <laughs> but um i think that's all we, well and so heal our planet specifically you know besides mm-hmm. the dietary you know exercising being ready to fight you know these are things that yeah i get obesity is hard to combat if you do not have the means yeah but it's something we need to provide the means for the proletariat to achieve and something they'll appreciate for you know Along with like child daycare that's ran by communists, we can also like one of the biggest tragedies in my schooling career was when they started to reduce uh, recess time, which started when I was in third grade, you know, so it was very early on that I was seeing gentrification happen firsthand because we we had been such a strong union mining town. So as 08 rolled around, things just sure. 08 was like fifth grade or something like that from i don't know god you're so young yeah i know (laughs) think about that that's wild and like i I don't i I had a career by then (laughs) well i'd like to think that i'm at such an advanced position for a young person right yeah yeah and you you as long as older folks can teach me things i didn't know yeah about like the 90s and 80s like we could probably actually come to a pretty okay synthesis since i'm an expert in the 70s 60s 50s 
40s, 30s, 20s, blah, blah, blah. And actually, not really the 40s and 30s besides like World War II. And then when it comes to the 20s, it's more about um, indigenous citizenship. Mm-hmm. And then before that, I, I, the antitrust era is really my big focus because that's when you have like the establishment of the mines here in the UP and stuff. So that's like another series we'll be doing as we switch over into plugs on the Chunkaluta project is a Michigan podcast, basically where I try to explain labor history uh, and indigenous history as one from Michigan's perspective Um, to give an example of state-based material conditions to analyze uh, for better results, essentially. There is no reason people like Haas who live in the same state as me should be making such stupid mistakes as going to a white supremacist rally to recruit working class people. Unless you're an idiot who doesn't know how to organize. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if anybody should be sterilized in society, it's the Patriots. Anyway, no, no, <laughs> uh, please quote that. God, anyway. <laughs> uh, but that was an interesting uh, beginning of the plugs. Why don't we, why don't we run right into plugs from that? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, of course, uh, Bands of Turtle Island at gmail.com or Chunkalutha at proton.me or uh, bands at Bands Island on Twitter uh, or uh, Chunkalutha19 at Chunkalutha1973 on Twitter uh, is where you can reach me or you can reach me at the Discord for the Mark's Madness guys where David's never there, but Nathan's sometimes there. And uh, you can contact David with the bat signal. Yeah. Um, at me, bro. <laughs> at, stupid. Uh, <laughs> that was so bad. That was so bad. <laughs> Y'all missed it. Oh, my gosh. But uh, um, let's see. Uh, by this time, we are doing a tech drive, uh, mutual aid drive, um, kind of like a combination of two. Basically, it's like the Chunkaluta Kickstarter campaign, if you want to call it that. And we're, we're just trying to raise some basic funds to get PAGG back on podcasts because we miss P. P did the art for the project like usual. And so always appreciate it. And we just want to see them back. Um, we're building a website. We're doing a bunch of different shit. Uh, <laughs> but most importantly is this mutual aid drive where I guess we don't have a set number as of this moment, since this is, you know, predicated on airing at a different time than we were initially recording. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, Aloni9gen on Twitter uh, is in a lot of help, need for help. Uh, we're going to do our best as a cadre to help them with the donations we already bring in. Uh, the issue is that they need a more sustainable method of help, you know, whether it's somebody giving part of their check or whether it's somebody giving them work to do. I'm sure they would appreciate work more than a check. You know what I mean? Um I know I'm one of those kinds of people that would rather work for my money, you know, uh, which is might be a pride thing, but also it's like a dignity thing, uh, which I don't think a lot of people understand that. It's like, we're not beggars. We're just doing what we have to, to survive. You know, like I think beggars has a connotation that people use as an insult in this country because of bourgeois attitudes. 
and they misunderstand why some people need help. Yeah. You know, it's not that they want to ask. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, like I know a lot of prideful people. So it's just, uh, you know, I know how embarrassing it can be to put your issues out there to somebody. You know, that's embarrassing. That's not comfortable feeling to be put into or especially strangers on the Internet. I don't know any of you. Here you are hearing some of my I mean, this is really personal stuff. It's really sad. It's really depressing. And uh, any stranger will think that I'm a very depressed person. Which I am, I guess. But I, <laughs> I like to laugh a lot. Yeah. And I think this podcast does a lot to show you um, an indigenous humor uh, in full display. And I think that the way we did things um, is really good. Uh, or are doing things. I mean, we're almost, we're halfway through the book. That's why I'm, you know, we've, we've gotten to the hill. Yeah. We've got to, now, now it's time to go. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Call back. <laughs> Um, so like, uh, you know, I'm just going to be focusing on raising money effectively for people in need that I see on Twitter that aren't getting the attention they deserve. And then, um, producing this Michigan podcast, as well as producing, uh, the Jacobin shit and Fekka and, uh, just, there's a bunch of different podcasts on the way as well as follow-ups from bands of turtle Island to sort of reestablish, the channel is a continuation, but also a better version of Bands of Turtle Island in a way that um, incorporates more of a collective effort rather than just a single person's, uh, which is basically why Bands of Turtle went on hiatus is that it was just a lot of work for what was possible. And that was probably the big issue. And so now that I realize what is possible, that's the direction we're headed. Uh, there'll be a whole new episode on the new rss feed for you to hear more if that interested you uh and i also suggest going to the patreon where the patreon money after so we're already 34 dollars towards pure cadre money a month but everything after 500 dollars a month on my personal patreon just goes into the cadre so you know you can keep donating to that and i'm just going to use it for donations thank you <laughs> i will redistribute your money for you i guess i don't care but, um, you know, ideally our cadre will grow and build into something that's accepting more public membership. But for the most part, just look out to see what we're doing um, and support us that way. Uh, I think that's all the plugs I have okay. for this future release. Okay, great. Um, so for the Mark's Madness side uh, of this, you know, it's markmadnesspod at gmail.com, at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter in the bio. That is where you find the link to the Discord server that Chikmani2 mentioned. Um, and if you can't get through there, you can always email us, again, at the markmadnesspod at gmail.com. Um, normally this is where I was kicking over disclaimer and I said, we've kind of grown past that in this book, but I usually have something to say. And the something to say is always going to come back to that. None of this theory, uh, matters without action matters without the praxis. Um, so we want this theory out there guiding your actions. Um, and without theory, praxis doesn't exist, but without the praxis, the theory is completely useless. So when we're talking about that, we got to find a nice centrist position as Marx. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but you need to find a balance between praxis and theory. Yeah, yeah. You rely on one over the other. Yeah, I mean, you, you very much do. I mean, if if you don't have the theory guiding you, you could, you know, you, you just wind up in, in charity, and that's good. But then that can be taken and tugged a lot of different ways. Um, and if you're not doing the praxis, what what are you doing? Why, why are you reading theory? Who are you learning, learning that for? What is it for? What is it oh, for? Oh, you know, that's that? actually funny. Uh, I had a evangelical right-wing member go, <laughs> like family members say, why, uh, you know, charity sometimes compounds the problem. So what's the game plan? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Do you have any blankets I can have or not? <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, that's, I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah. You know, like I, I get what they're saying and they're trying to say what you're saying, but they don't know how to articulate it in an actual socialist or scientific manner. So it comes off as just right. tone deaf and arrogant for you to go, helping these poor people is only going to make them poor. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and, and that's how you get caught in that trap of that mythos, right? You know, they you either get, and, and we're, we're always caught in the wrong to, to there's a contradiction and so we know there's two sides that's pretty common in things but we get the, the wrong things that aren't the sides defined so instead of like you know um we should help give these things to people versus you know that's not a complete solution and we need to do more we get give to people good versus give to people bad and that's it and so you've got, you know, oh, well, this doesn't solve the problem versus, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. And of course it does. And, and there's no like. A lot of people don't realize that the middle ground is Marxism. It <laughs> is a middle ground. Like, there is a middle ground. I heard what the liberals said. I heard what the Republicans said. I know what's wrong. You're the same people talking. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what it is. It's like there is the middle ground. The problem is it isn't in the middle. You have to pivot to the correct contradiction, and then it's on the other end. Yeah. So we've, we've drawn you a map. Pivot your contradictions. Uh, Follow this. You're going to take ten paces north. Yeah, <laughs> we are we are off the rails with this one, so we're gonna call that all for today. Off the rails, we're five minutes under. Yeah, we are five minutes under, and that's without Nathan here. We have done it. We have stayed Sucking under Nathan. an hour without Nathan. Woo! All right. <laughs> Before we go over that wooing, my name is David. My name is Shokmanitu, and we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Doksha. Oh,